Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Unfiltered. Today, uh, but before I even introduce this young man, this gentleman, I just want to remind everyone, Real Estate Unfiltered is a true podcast. It's unscripted. Devon is on it. Um, I ha- did not pay him to come here. Uh, I, I asked him to be totally honest. And like I always say, this podcast is for everyone. If you're getting into real estate, if you're thinking about buying a house and investment, um, if you're a realtor, even a loan officer, and you just want to get the real information, see what really happens behind the scenes from top producing agents, um, mortgage loan officers. We have everyone on this podcast, even first time homebuyers. And I want you guys to remember, it is not where you start, but where you end. And I want you to enjoy the process because the journey makes you stronger. And the only way you get better is to learn through it. So I brought one of my good friends, Devon. Um, we've met, we met like a year and a half ago through another friend, a mutual friend, referred us to each other, and we just clicked. And ever since then, we've been sending each other clients, going back and forth with, oh, what can I buy this? What about this loan? What about this loan? Malcolm, do you know about this loan types? Like he sends me nothing but Instagram videos of different loan types. I'm like, Devon, no, that's bullshit. That's real. Yeah, yeah, I can do that one. And we just go back and forth. But the energy this young gentleman brings is phenomenal and he's willing to work. A lot of times you meet agents who say they want to be millionaires, they want to own real estate, they want to invest, but they are afraid to put in the work ethic. And when you as a client, if you're watching this or listening to this on Spotify, wherever, Apple, Stream, Music, wherever, we want you to understand that the energy that your realtor has when he's meeting you or showing online, that might not be truly him. So what you have to do is interview these gentlemen, hear their hear their Hear them at all times, different times of the hour. Do they pick up your calls? Are they responding to your texts? How much energy and effort are they willing to put into you? Because what I, I I truly believe this, what makes a really good agent is someone who's willing to educate you. So when they're going on the time and then you go on their Instagram or even if he coming on podcasts like this where they're not asking for anything, they're not asking for your business, they're not, they're not forcing you for anything. They just want to inform you. Those are what makes really great agents. So, nonetheless, I have my great friend Devon on the line. Devon, please introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are. Let's dive dive into this podcast episode. Absolutely, man. Thanks for uh, inviting me on the podcast. Uh, my name is Devon. I'm a realtor here in New York City. I'm also licensed in Connecticut. Um, I specialize in multifamily properties, but I've also sold and helped buyers purchase co-ops and condos here in the city. Um, I got started probably five years ago. I've worked at a few brokerages um, throughout the city. And, um, you know, I'm pretty well-versed in both markets um, in terms of specifically multifamilies in Connecticut and in Brooklyn. Um, I have a few properties on the market right now. And, you know, um, I met Malcolm, you know, like you mentioned, a year and a half ago. And he's been an amazing resource uh, for information on loans. You know, somebody I can really rely on and call and have questions about it. I appreciate that. Don't make me blush. <laughs> so what inspired you to become a real estate industry, real estate agent? That's a good question. So I was working in the financial uh, industry for years and I, I worked at a lot of different places worked at investment banks worked at the big four accounting firms worked at all of those places and that's what I wanted to do after college I always wanted to work at a big hedge fund and I did I worked at Bridgewater in Connecticut the largest hedge fund in the world um, I was there for about a year and you know working there made me realize the most important thing is not money, but having the free time to do what you want and live a life that you, you know, design and it's not by default. So being a real estate agent has given me like the freedom to set my own schedule, be my own boss and also help change people's lives because helping somebody buy their first home, especially in a market like this, it's life changing. You're changing the trajectory of, of their entire life. So it's been something really that like I, that. yeah, I, I've I've enjoyed the journey. You know, 
question, how was it switching? Because to go to financial and clocking in nine to five to working for yourself, that's a big change, especially knowing like as a realtor, you set your own schedule. Like you said, you have to go get your own clients. Like how was that switch? It's, it's a it's a major switch because, you know, if you're just jumping into real estate as an agent and you're not joining a team or you don't have a mentor, which is what I did, it can be very structureless. You know, when you clock in at work, you have a specific time you got to be in at work. You have a certain task or things that you have to do. You have meetings lined up, you know, and real estate is not like that. You have to design and structure your own day. So, you know, real estate is, is very, very different in the sense that you, there is no boss. You're your own boss and you have to hold yourself accountable to working every single day and putting a hundred percent into every day. Mm-hmm. Now, what in particular made you pick real estate out of all the other industries that you could have went to? Cause you said you did want time freedom, but you could pick anything else. Why real estate? Yeah. Well, I realized the benefits of real estate. I mean, I primarily got in as an investor. You know, I, I saw real estate as a vehicle to attain wealth and also as a vehicle to uh, live a certain way, to get tax benefits, to get passive income. So I was like, I'm going to learn everything I can about real estate because, you know, real estate is one of the industries that have made a lot of people wealthy. And so, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, along, there's other things as well in the stock market technology on that, but. But you're right. One of the, um, they said in the statistics, most millionaires are created through real estate. Yeah, exactly. They also invest in real estate, most millionaires. So yeah, yeah. Very accurate with that. Yeah. Now, what do you think sets your service apart from another real estate agent and stuff like that? That's a good question. So <clears throat> your success as a, a buyer or a seller in this market is very much influenced by the agent you choose to work with. Um, an agent that is doing this full time is important. An agent that is accessible on the phone, uh, you know, I've had clients call me 7, 8 p.m. at night and I'm accessible or text me. Uh, someone who is invested in your success and wanting, you know, to help you and knowing why you're doing this. I had a client who said, you know, I'm buying a property because this is for each of my children because I want every one of my kids to have something, you know, that I want to pass on to them. And, you know, that's a, a very, you know, motivating factor. You know, we know what their their, their motivation behind this is. So, I'm working with him personally, even though this is in Connecticut, it's a challenging market. We're going to get him a house so he can, for each of his, I think five or seven kids, (laughs) we're going to get them all homes, you know, for for him so he can pass that down. So, you know, just, just, just having an agent that's invested in you is the most important thing that's doing this full time that's accessible and is, uh, that has shown and demonstrated knowledge and expertise and what you're trying to get. 100%. You you made a very good point. Um, One thing I want to say is the person who said he wanted to buy it for his other kids and stuff like that, how did that impact you? Like, what went through your head when you heard such a powerful statement? Oh, man. I was like, man, this is a great parent. Thinking about his kids, you know, not only thinking about himself, but he's thinking about his legacy and what he's passing on to his kids. You know, because if they he buys them this property in 10, 20 years pass by and the property doubles or triples, they've got something that gives them passive income. They've got something that they can sell and reinvest in something else. Um, you know, they've got tax benefits. So he's leaving behind a lot. That one house is, is a lot of, uh, of wealth that he's passing down to his kids. How many houses has he bought so far and how many has he used you for? Has it been a return client yet or are you still helping with the first one? Well, I just got this client about maybe a few weeks ago, okay. and we're we're in the Connecticut market looking for a multi-family, and um, you know, truth be told, the Connecticut market is is very hot right now with multi-family. So one of the things I do that's different from other agents 
is that I have off-market property. So I do a lot of marketing directly to sellers, whether it be via phone, mailer, internet. So I get these leads that are not on online that I can give to my clients that, you know, maybe buying it with an wait, FHA. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you drop in gems because what you stated wasn't just helpful to home buyers, people who are looking to buy first home, maybe an investment home, but also to other realtors. You guys catch that? I don't know if you caught that. He said he knows the market is so saturated with so many people buying so many. There's no inventory. So what he did is he took it a step further and said, you know what? I'm going to find people before they decide to list it, before they even decide to start selling it. I'm going to get those, have it exclusively, and I'm going to market it to my clients. So now you're not dealing with getting over asking. You're not going through having to bid with a bid war of a hundred people or even having a hundred people just in the, uh, doing one of your showings, like you're getting to see it on exclusively. That's phenomenal. That's a great idea for any realtor who wants to get that edge. And now also helps you when you get a client because you're like, Hey, I got properties that are off market. Like no other agent can show you these stuff. So it, it gives you that little stepping stool that puts them at a pedestal like, hey, this is how I'm helping my clients become even better. That was a really good secret. I'm, I'm Thank you for sharing that on the podcast. Hopefully, everyone out there is listening and they'll take your advice and start marketing to not only to look for new buyers, but find them sellers first. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. So in this crazy market, we do have first-time home buyers who listen to the podcast. What advice would you give them? For a first-time home buyer, um, I would say the most important thing is you're going to be going against other people. Um, the type of loan you use, and Malcolm could probably speak to this more. Um, if they can do a conventional and put a little bit more down, put three or five percent down, that would give them a heck of a lot of advantage because a lot of the sellers are concerned that they it may not pass inspection because um, the home needs work. So they tend to, and you know, sometimes the FHA has a bad reputation, but I have gotten um, sellers to accept FHA loans. Um, you know, we just tell them, you know, that we will work something out with regards to the repairs. The buyer may have to buy, may have to fix those repairs. Um, but I would say, you know, first time home buyers, get with Mr. Marcel, um, have him pre-approve you so you know exactly what your purchasing power is and what you can afford from there then you can start searching for homes within your price range and be aggressive. Be, you know, first time you see something immediately try to set like an appointment, talk to your realtor to, to see it in person and put an offer in as quickly as you can um, with very little contingencies. That's okay. You said a couple things I want to talk about. Um, first thing first, I hate that FHA has such a bad name because really I think it's one of the best loan pro programs out there. I'm a firm believer in it. And yes, they do scrutinize the property just a little bit more. They want to make sure that it's no chip paint. But like the phone said, there's a ways to work around it and it's still a great loan product Now if you have great credit and you can do five percent, then by all means go conventional. But if you can't, especially if you're looking at a multifamily, because after you get two, three, they start having different requirements for your down payment while FHA stays the same all the way up to a four. So that's another really big benefit. Then two, you 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 mentioned the fact that get pre-approved first. I don't know how many times I scream this on my podcast or my YouTube, TikTok. Like I don't know why or who came up with the idea. Like, hey, if you want to see how she's going online and ask to go see it, and then you go there and it's like you're you don't have anything. You don't even know if this is within your budget. And then when I actually do the pre-approval, you're like, holy smokes, I can't even afford that. That mortgage payment looks crazy. Like, exactly. I don't yeah. know who gave these people steps to skip it. Like, go see the house, go in it, and then decide, <laughs> okay, if you want it, let's try to get pre-approved. Because a lot of times you, you're seeing things outside your budget. You're seeing things that looks nice that you want, but it doesn't always mean your pockets can afford it. And sometimes even when you could afford it, you don't want to go that high because you're like, I got to pay that every month. And I still yeah. have electric. I still have gas. I still have water. And I got to do maintenance on my house? Mm-mm, mm-mm, that, that ain't going to work. So yeah, that's how we do it. Yeah. Now, what do you do, what do you do when a client like comes to one of your listings and they're like, "Hey, yeah, I'm just thinking about it." Like, do you take them seriously when they say, "I want to put an offer," and they haven't got pre-approved? Like, 
How does it feel to you as an agent? Yeah. So, you know, if somebody's coming to me in, uh, in this market where we're getting tons of offers for properties and they come, uh, you know, unapproved for a loan and they have to, you know, now go to a lender, they have to submit the paperwork, which is, this is not a Malcolm Marshall does this in like a few days, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, by the time you've done all that, those other offers may have gotten accepted. You know, so you really want to be prepared when you're coming out and you're serious about getting a property as quickly as possible to just, you know, take the time to speak with uh, Malcolm. He's really quick with the paperwork. He'll probably give you a loan approval in no time. And then, you know, you can go about putting offers. But, you know, going to see a house that you, you know, and then you fall in love with it, you may not be able to get it because by the time, you know, you have gotten an approval, somebody else has, you know, gotten their offer accepted. It's too late. Now, what about on the other hand, like I know people do hit you up and be like, hey, I'm ready to start going seeing houses. Have you ever had a client, this is unfiltered, but I want the truth. Have you ever had a client, have you ever had a client and they're rushing you to show me houses, I want to see this, I want to see this, and yet they haven't taken the first steps to even get pre-approved? Like, what, what happens? Do you push them aside? Like, what does that mean to you? Does it, do you feel like they don't value your time? I want you to, your, true, your true opinion on how do you deal with clients like that and how does it make you feel as a realtor? Yeah, so if somebody comes to me and says, hey, you know, I want to see a house, but they don't know their purchasing power. They don't even know if they can afford it. They haven't spoke to great lenders like Mr. Marcel. And I'm my thoughts are like, okay, you know, first thing you need to do we can see the house, but the first thing after the house, after we see that, the first thing you need to do is speak to a lender, get pre-approved because, you know, you're basically just wasting your own time, you know? Um, so, you know, and, and if somebody's serious about it, they will immediately go in and get pre-approved, you know? There's nothing wrong with going and seeing houses, but keep in mind, you know, if it's something you really love, you know, you can't fall in love with these houses that you're looking at if you're unapproved for a loan, you know, in this market, you know, because think about it. If you like this house, there's a whole bunch of other buyers who feel the same way, especially in this market. Everybody is looking for like the newly renovated, move in ready property that's well staged. And, you know, if you're falling in love with it, chances are a whole bunch of other people and somebody's coming in already approved or maybe even with cash. So. So first of all, very good. Cause we didn't even mention that if they're coming in with cash, that's a real problem because they don't need a finance. And they're like, Hey, let me do my little inspection or appraisal. Yeah. They don't do appraisal. Let me do my inspection, run title, make sure everything's good. And I can close within two weeks. That's a whole nother monster. So that's, I definitely forgot to bring that up. How do you help your clients navigate, um, the current real estate market? Hmm. That's a good question. So people have to keep in mind inventory is at historic lows. We have less inventory on the market than we did before the pandemic. So, you know, we still have quite a bit of buyers looking for properties, even though interest rates are high. So there's a lot of competition and for very few properties. So what I tell people is that you have to be patient. Got to be patient. You might even put in a few offers and not have them accepted, you know, because people are going above asking price. But what I would say is be patient. Um, don't be afraid to put in offers and, you know, just just stick with it. You know, um, the market is very challenging for everybody, buyers, realtors, lenders, you know, and uh, we just have to, you know, keep, uh, be patient and have perseverance. Now, I, I want you to tell me something. Tell me about one of the scariest moments in your real estate, um, your real estate career. Was it when you first got started and you didn't really have that no direction or was it going on a specific buyer? Um, hmm. The scariest part of real estate, uh, probably Wait, being an agent. Um, yeah, yeah, audio's breaking up a little bit. When you move, I don't know if it's your headphones, but it's picking up like all the um, 
all the sound. Like every time you move, I can hear the the. the oh, I'm sorry. Going. Okay. Um. So the scariest part for me in real estate, probably just starting. Um. Everybody wants to get into real estate, and I think uh, TV glamorizes it a little bit too much. Uh, you know, you might be looking at millionaire million dollar listing and. You know, oh, okay, all I have to do is walk into this $50 million house. The seller asks me how much it's worth and point my nose up in the air and say, okay, I think it's worth $50 million. And they, they sign the contract and then you get a buyer like a day later. Unfortunately, real estate is not that easy. Um, you know, real estate is like, starting real estate is like a marathon. You know, you meet people and you stay in contact with them. You build relationships with them. And when they are ready to sell, hopefully they do call you um, and you list their property. But it's not instantaneous. Um, success in real estate for most is very hard. It's not something that happens overnight. It takes a lot of perseverance. It takes a lot of faith, a lot of discipline. You have to structure yourself. And it helps if you have accountability partners. I have, I've had several accountability partners across the country. I had a part accountability partner in New Hampshire. I've had one in San Diego, California, and we hold each other accountable to doing what we need to do every single day to be successful in real estate. You know, it's uh, so that was the scariest at the beginning because I had no structure, I had no clientele, and I was just, you know, out there without a mentor, without a team. But I'm here five years later. Oh wow. Now, um, question, you mentioned something that I just want to touch base on again. You said, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you said when you had an accountability partner, you made sure that they they made sure that you did what you needed to do every single day. So to be successful in real estate, what are people or what do you suggest that people should be doing every single day? Well, there's a few things. <clears throat> First thing and I'm not going to go straight into like, oh, you need to do mailers, you need to do calling. First thing is you got to work on your mindset um, because this is a business that there's no instant gratification on it. So you have to work on mindset. You know, you have to wake up. And I used to do this a lot. I used to wake up and write five things that I'm grateful for, just for gratitude, right? Um, I also do meditation. You know, you have to clear your mind sometimes. Do you, you and, like this? Are you, are you like this? Mm, or you go like no, that? No, not, not like that. <laughs> you listen to some Zen music and be like, um, 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 But you um, can. You can. You can. Definitely, you can do the Zen music. Um, How long do you meditate for? A good 30 minutes. Yeah. Wait, no phone, quiet, just. Yeah. Holy, yeah, I, mean, I commend you. I, I, I was trying to do my daily meditation. I'm talking about I was getting five minutes in and I was getting ready to fall asleep. Like I <laughs> I really tried to meditate, but I think I usually do like, if I meditate, five minutes is the max because anything more than that. Mm -hmm. so, <sighs> well, you got to build on it. You got to yeah. build on it. But you you got to give time. me some tips. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So work but, on your mindset. You start meditating. What else? Uh, mindset, meditating. I do some stretching. I do yoga. Um, you do yoga I, too? Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, when I tell you this is unscripted, I've been talking to Devon for a year and a half. We talk at least four times out the week. At least four times out the week. I never knew this man did yoga. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time, man. It all, it all starts with it, with your mindset and your body. And then, and then you got to work on the, the real estate part. Then you work on how am I going to get clients? Is it going to be online leads from Zillow or Google or Facebook? Or if it's going to be cold calling or if it's going to be door knocking, if it's going to be mailers and all those things are catered to this specific person. So what I do to get business may not work well for you. You know, mm. if I knock on people's doors. Repeat that again. That's what I'm talking about. This is the gems that I was trying to get out from you. That's what I'm talking about. Say that again. What, what one realtor does may, may not be good for you, may not be a good fit for your personality. If I knock on doors to get business, that may not work for you. You may be somebody who prefers internet marketing. You know, The most important thing to realize, because we get a ton of questions from other agents on what we do to get business. I get a ton of questions. 
most important thing is everything works if you do it long enough. If you call long enough, if you send out enough postcards, if you do enough internet um, uh, marketing, all of it works. The problem is people aren't sticking to it long enough mm. and they're not consistent, <laughs> not, not disciplined in it. I've noticed that with, even with my own marketing, I realize that if you're consistent enough with anything, it can be successful. It's just A, can you be consistent enough? And then two, do you have the time or money to keep it going long enough? So exactly. that that's what you yeah, really so that, know. That's another component. You know, marketing may take a lot of money and it may take longer so you just see the fruits of your labor. You know, so that might be something you do when you're more established in real estate. You know, you might start doing the podcast, the videos, and all these other things. Early on, you may be doing internet leads because they're more affordable. So, you know, you have to come up with a strategy for yourself that works for your personality, your finances, your time. Yeah, because I'll be honest with you, doing these videos, doing the podcast, it's extremely, one, it's costly because all these videos have to get edited. Then you might have a YouTube manager. Like, it gets very time-consuming. Then you need someone to post a video. It's super and you do not see instant gratification with the videos, with the viewership. I'm telling you guys, if you think I'm doing this because I see something, I do not. I just know in the long run that constantly producing content will make me stand out and become better. So he's 100% correct on this. This is really unfiltered because we did not plan this. And we just see when I talk about when you work with like-minded people, you guys have similar mindsets. And this is what goes to show you. So... um. You just blew me away with that. I, you made me forget what I got. <laughs> I had a question for you. And those well, let me ask you a question. Pardon what, me? what made you become? Let, let me ask you a question. What made you become a loan officer? Um, realistically, I did it for two reasons. Um, when I was buying my house, I was doing um wholesaling. Uh, this is if anyone's listening to the podcast, I, I usually do this in my seminar. I do like a webinar. Um, I used to do that once a month, but I started falling back. So this is my story in my webinar. So I'll just give you a small brief because I don't want to spoil it for people who are going to go and come to my home buyer webinar. But I was already in real estate. I was wholesaling houses and it was time for me to get a house. As you guys know, I am a police officer. So I had, I was already a police officer. I think I was two years in on the job about that time. And I was wholesaling houses. So I had money in the bank and, um, I already knew about buying houses and stuff like that because I was wholesaling, so I understood most of it. But when it was come time to get a mortgage, the verbiage, understanding it, it was a whole nother animal. And I was like, if I'm this confused and I've already wholesale houses, like I've wholesale houses and made five, ten thousand dollars. I was getting into flipping at that time. I think I did my first flip around right around that time. And I was so confused on mortgages. I was like, if I'm struggling with this. And I'm in some kind of real estate field. Can you imagine people who know nothing about real estate, what they're going through and the struggles they're going through? And after going through that, I was like, yeah, um, I spoke to someone he, who was my first mentor who actually helped me get it. And he was like, Malcolm, you're a great person. I love your energy. I want you to be in my office. He was recruiting me for a while. And I finally gave in. It was like, yeah, after I closed, it was like, I think six months to a year after I was like, you know what? Let me just do it because I was enjoying it. You know, I love wow. real estate. And I got in and I was like, yeah, this is a lot. I went through the, had to spend a lot of money going through the courses. Because um, when we get certified, it's for all 50 states. So wow. it's a federal state. It's a federal, I, I've seen your course, but the mortgage one since 08, it became like a whole nother animal. So it's a lot stringent, more, more rules, like no phones. Um, they make you walk the water, uh, metal detectors is like, in a, it's a dark room with like, I'm talking about cameras all around to make sure if you're cheating, they have wow. like, different, um, monitors who walk around There's people staring at the screens. It's like, you would have thought I was taking a test. Like a prison. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what it felt like. It's a dark room. You have, they check you. You can't go in with anything. No pens, nothing. You can't go anything. Every computer is playing different courses because it's all online so everyone's taking different tests and there's people watching making sure you're not looking the cameras are watching they zoom in to make sure you're not cheating like it's very serious now after that 08 crash when the feds took it over and was like no we're making sure it's different and i finally passed and even before that i had to take i took a, a practice course because if you just study the school book you're, you're confused because the school book and then 
what you need to know for the test is so much information. So I took a, a yeah. study course. Um, that was a couple thousand just to get the course for the study wow. material. On top of paying for the school, on top of paying for the license. And then after you do that, you got to do FBI fingerprints. They run your credit. They run everything. And I was already a cop at this time. I was like, yo, my fingerprints are already in the system. Why am I paying for all this stuff? But you still got to pay for it. And then it was like, everything I learned was nothing about being a mortgage loan officer. I was like, yeah, that's the book stuff, but that's not going to get you sales. So you need to learn how to be a people person. You got to learn how to do sales all over again. This is stuff I knew. It was just switching it more for mortgages. So. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And I love it. It took me six months to get my first deal done. Six months before I got a client. My client was a referral from my um, my broker at the time, a mortgage broker. He gave me a referral of someone. And obviously, I had to build that relationship. It wasn't just like, hey, call her. She's ready to get pre-proof. No, it was like, this might be a lead. Work it. And I called yeah. her, started working with her. She had a whole bunch of issues. Her name was Alvera. My first client still calls me to d- today. She's actually wow. looking for another house. Yeah. Um, and this was like four or five years ago. And I fell in love ever since. And then I just kept growing and trying to build it. And who knows? Maybe by next year, I'll have my own team. We'll see. Wow. Yeah, that's a dope story. Yeah. Okay. So what are some of the most common mistakes that you see sellers and buyers make? Okay. What some of the most common mistakes? I'll start with sellers because I do a lot of listings uh, more than buyers. So some of he's the a show off. He, he reminds me of that all the time. He's like, I'd be like, hey, Devon, I got a new client for you. He's like, Malcolm, you know, I don't really do buyers. I like doing what this Well, <laughs> it depends. Brooklyn buyers send them over. Connecticut buyers send them over, man. Um, but yeah. Your I, mostly, mostly listings um, for the most part. We have some agents that only do buyers. Some that agents that only do listings. But I do both. New listings and buyers. Um so for seller side, uh, one of the most important things is to make sure you prepare your house. So let's say you have, let's go with a multifamily, right? You're selling a multifamily and that's it's a four family. You want to make sure one of the units are vacant before you put this on the market. And one of the reasons are because some of the, as Malcolm knows, loans require one of the units to be vacant for a person to move in. If you're using an FHA loan, you have to have one of those units vacant. So by having all of them occupied and none of them vacant, you're taking about, I would say, 20% of those buyers out of the marketplace because they can't, it won't, the loan won't uh, meet the requirements. The property won't meet the loan requirements. So you want to make sure your property has one vacancy. Let's say if it's a single family house, um, get it, get it, uh, do a staging consultation. So I have a few companies, a few vendors that will do a virtual consultation. So I'll come to the house, I'll go on FaceTime or Zoom, and we'll walk through your house and they'll give you feedback on improvements you can make. It can be a full staging where they take furniture and everything, or we, or it can be something that's less um, expensive and it's called like an accessory staging where they would just give you advice on how, what accessories to put in the home to really make it pop and bring in traffic into the home. Um, for a buyer, uh, what I would recommend they do before they start shopping is get pre-approved, you know, um, get pre-approved for a loan. Uh, be careful what you're spending. No, no trips in uh, Italy or Greece, no expensive vehicles. Um, you want to, keep your debt to income rate ratios low. Um, so you want to start being more financially conscious of like the purchases you're making. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think for a buyer it's just, it's way more simpler. You want to just be more financially aware and conscious of the purchases you're making. Speak to a lender like Malcolm, of course, uh, to get pre-approved and pre-qualified. And, and then, you know, talk to a realtor to start searching. Okay. Um, another question. How do you stay informed about the changes in the real estate industry? That's a good question. Um, hmm. So there's, there's a lot of different, um, you know, internet papers and things like that. What I do in Brooklyn is pretty big. Um, and the thing about New York is a networking city. 
So I go to a lot of networking events and we meet a lot of people. We meet lenders, we meet agents, we meet buyers, and a lot of information gets passed really from, from those type of informal settings. Um, sometimes we have uh, meetings on Clubhouse with realtors who discuss what's going on in the market. Um, there's different um, realtor networking events. So, you know, uh, we there, there's a whole bunch of different sources, you know, that we stay abreast on the real estate market. You know, the real deal, um, there's uh, different realtor-focused newspapers that we get that, you know, keeps us abreast to the changes in New York City. And, you know, we're also plugged into what's happening in the city, you know, the, the zoning changes and the different things that's happening. Question. How does is it difficult to stay um, up to date in not only like states because you're in you're in Connecticut also in New York and I know you're getting Jersey for a few different states. Huh? No, no, yeah, Jersey. Thank you for shouting that out. Yeah, I'm telling. I I know you 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 work hard, so I know you're always advancing. So I know it hasn't come yet, but I'm speaking to existence because I I know we both know that you've been looking into it. So I'm pushing you for it. But also the also the towns like Brooklyn um, versus Stanford, like how is it being different, focusing on different states, but also being more specific and doing the um, the actual towns like Brooklyn? Like, is it difficult? Because it's a lot of it's a lot of places in between. So how do you deal with it? Hmm. So so when we do a deal in these cities, you know, like Brooklyn or Stanford and you've been doing a lot of deals and you've done for a while, a lot of things come up and you start seeing the same things over and over again. You know, that's the benefit of, you know, dealing with someone who's been in the real estate, you know, business for a while. You, you When you're doing these deals, a lot of things pop up in the deal. And I'm glad you asked me that question about what sellers can do to prepare, you know, their house to be sold. Because a lot of times we will come in and we'll list a property and there'll be like a lot of issues with the home. There'll be issues with violations. There'll be issues with permitting. They, there might be uh, no CFO on the home. This is all things that are in New York City specifically. And those are some things also that a, a seller should look into before they list their home. You know, they want to make sure that there's nothing wrong with the title and the deed and all these things. You know, and and by doing these deals, all these things come to light, and we have to work with the seller in order to um, to solve them, in order for it to, to be sold. You know, same and thing. You're right. That happens a lot more than people realize. Like, especially when it's an older home or it's been in generations or you bought it a while ago. Like, I had one when I was doing a refi and the client refied and the bank didn't actually submit all the paperwork to show that they covered the mortgage. And that's on title now because the title company was supposed to verify all that information. And it's like these things pop up and clients are like, wait, what? So when you're yeah. selling your house, the bank or even refining, the bank is going to do its own research to make sure everything is clear and it's a clean slate before they guarantee the mortgage to someone else. Because the title insurance is backing it like, hey, this house has it's clean. This person actually owns it. There's no other ears to it. Like this is the person who can sell it. So you're going to do this. So like Devon said, it's a good idea to just make sure you know what title company you have. Like if you're buying a house or you're selling a house, sorry, not if you're buying it. If you're refining or selling your house, it's good to get the paperwork when you bought it. Just in case something pops up, you have the information for the seller's realtor because the buyer, the buyer's realtor is going to reach out to the seller like, hey, can you get me this information or reach out to their attorney and if he has that information readily available, it just makes the process quicker and simpler for everyone. Exactly. And, you know, a title report, you can get a, get a lawyer to do it. You can call a title company. And all it does is, is looking at the chain of custody of that house, who owned it over the years, and if there's any liens, encumbrances, or any claims to that title. So definitely a must if you're selling a home. Definitely, um, if you feel like you need it, definitely get a title check. What do you think clients can do to stay up to date with their market? If I'm in Florida right now and I know I want to move to New York or Connecticut, what can I do to stay in con like stay updated with the market going on? 
Because sometimes okay. go to Google and just Google and stuff, they get the wrong information or old articles pop up. Like what what do you do for your clients or what do you suggest that they could do? Uh, so I do a newsletter. So my newsletter goes out like once a month sometimes. Uh, <laughs> depends on how busy I am. But um, the best thing is to uh, follow local realtors, follow local loan officers. And, um, you know, if they have a newsletter, jump on their newsletter, email them, DM them. Say, hey, I want to be on your newsletter. I want to know, you know, what's going on in the market. You know, do you do market updates? You know, find, find a local realtor, follow them. And um, they're, they're your best connect to figure out what's going on in the market. Because when you go online and you get like that, you know, housing market update, and they're talking about all of the United States, and they're telling you stuff like home prices are crashing. And, you know, you find out when you go looking for a home, you're one of 10 in your market, and it's the opposite. You know, that's because, you know, the housing market is complex. No, there's no one market. There's thousands of sub-markets. So you got to know what's going on in your specific market. And that, that's, that's best done by following somebody who's in it. 100%. And it's glad that you said that because I've been working on starting my, I used to do a, something called the Marcel Minute and it was a weekly email that just went out and gave you real estate updates and stuff like that. But I was talking to um, someone who uh, was big in the industry and she was saying, Malcolm, like you need to do market updates. Like you should be informed weekly or monthly and put it on your YouTube, put it on your Instagram and just say, this is what's going on with the market. This is how rates are looking this week. Um, the only thing is like, I'm, I hate actually giving specific rates because rates change daily. So depending yeah. on when it finally gets uploaded and stuff, it could be like, rates is way higher than that now. You know what I mean? Or it could be way lower. So that's the only yeah. thing I hate about saying rates. But um, I might have to join your newsletter so I can get information on the market update too. So what's your what's your um, your Instagram or something? If I was a client, uh, I already have it though. But, you know, I'm going to be sliding them DMs and be like, yo, Start sending me your market update because I've been needing information too. But what's your Instagram if someone wants to to follow you and to get that market update? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, the Devon Group um, on IG. You could also email me at contact at devonbenedict.com and I'll put you on my newsletter. You want to spell it out? Oh, it's um, contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T at my name, Devon, D-E-V-O-N. Uh, Benedict, B-E-N-E-D-I-C-T dot com. And um, spell your Instagram one more time. So it's going to be The Devon Group. Uh, T-H-E-D-E-V-O-N uh, The Devon Oh, G-R-O-U-P I forgot how to forgot the Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, there's too, too many social media accounts, but um, if you look into the Instagram, there's like um, what is that link? It's like a link and it links to all the other social media accounts. I forgot what they call it, Linktree or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I have one of those. So Okay. What are some of the most important qualities that you think a real estate agent should have? Oh, that's a good question. Um, they should have genuine concern for their clients and mm their goals in trying to reach their goals and understanding their goals and how it's important. Um, they should have a lot of patience and understanding because buying real estate and selling real estate is very emotional to people. Um, and they should be have a high degree of perseverance because uh, you need it in this market where real estate is still very much in high demand very much in high demand. Everybody's looking for the same thing, the beautifully renovated staged property. If you have one of those, you know, or if you, you have a house, definitely work on getting it prepared. But um, I think those are the, the main things. So question to you. So say I'm I'm a new agent or even I'm a new um, buyer. We're, we're, we're a buyer. Um, I always tell my buyers, like, hey, even if I refer you, because I do refer my clients to different agents, um, even if I refer you to someone, I always suggest doing a, a like an intro talk, whether it's a Zoom or a phone call, so they can fill them out. 
Now, what do you do? Do you agree with that? Do you be like, hey, yeah, let me do an intro call with you so you can figure out what their needs are? Because like you said, you have to pay attention to what the client needs. So do you do something like that? And if you do, like, how does it go? Can you give us a little example? Yeah, of course. So um, I always want to set some time aside and uh, book, book some time with the, the buyer and really go through um, a whole bunch of questions that help me understand uh, what they're trying to do, why it's important to them, their timeline that they needed to get, get accomplished by, um, any, any obstacles that, they may, uh, that may come up that we can work on together to get around. And, um, and then I tell them about myself. And I give them a realistic uh, view of the market to put their expectations in line and, you know, let them know that I'm there for you, for them, you know. Um, and, and, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, it. It's just getting the information from them and working with them and, and letting them know that it's going to be a journey, but they have somebody that's going to be with them throughout that whole journey. You know, mm-hmm. they're not alone in something. I like that. Okay. What or how how do you tend to market if you get a listing, how do you tend to market it or what do you think is the most effective way of marketing a property? Are you like super big on posting on social media? Do you do like do you send like postcards to people? Like what do you suggest for newer agents like to market a listing that they just got? Well, that's a good question. So it depends on your listing. It depends on the listing on how you're going to market it. You know, there's generally four types of marketing. There's online, offline, organic, and paid. So, you know, also depending on there's online, offline, organic, and paid. And as Mr. Marcel hinted earlier, it, that your finances also intersect with those in your ability to do all four. Um, so work work on what you're able to do, but also um, understand, you know, who you're targeting when you're selling this property. Is is it a multifamily, an investor? The market is going to be a a little different. If it's a condo or a single family, it's going to be a primary. So your marketing is going to be a little different, you know? So it ultimately depends on the type of property that you're selling. Um, I do all those types of marketing. I'll do mailers. I'll do internet ads. um, We call up the area, all, all those things that we do um, to get a property the maximum exposure it needs to get the highest um, amount of offers coming through. All right. Now I'm going to get a little to the to the, the good stuff, right? The meat. I want you to be honest. And if you have a situation even better, I think stories are like the cornerstone to getting into people's heart or telling the truth behind them. So what do you do when you have like a disagreement with either the client or maybe the loan officer on the file? Maybe he's not working as hard or maybe the client you feel like is giving you the runaround or the client is just wasting your time. Like, what do you do if you have a disagreement or you're, you're sending them properties and they're like, hey, I want this. But every time you find the things that they want, they're switching, say, no, I want a different area now. Like, what do you do? when you feel like the relationship just isn't working out with either loan officer or client. So you give us a situation, a story, if you have one, let me know. Well, first thing I do is, is I yell at him uh, really, really loud. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Sometimes you, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I have like a buyer who is, cause I, like last week I showed a buyer a property in, in Stanford, Connecticut, right? And after he sees the unit, and it's a beautiful condo called the Biltmore right across from the mall. And the home is like renovated and it's like moving ready. It was so nice. I wanted to buy it. And then after we go downstairs, he goes, hey, if I put in an offer and I change my mind, what's going to happen? And I said, if you put in an offer and it's accepted and you go into contract, you really can't back out of it uh, after your 10-day inspection period. So you have to be certain that you want it. You know what I'm saying? You can't have one foot in and one foot out, you know? And there's going to be properties that you see that, you know, there's always going to be a better property. But, you know, if you're constantly looking for a better property, you're never going to find one. You're never going to actually close on one. You know, find something that works for you. And then, you know, 
put an offer on it and, and lock it down, especially in this market where there's not a lot of um, not a lot of inventory. You know, so when I have a disagreement, I tend to like talk through things and try to understand the person a little bit more and understand what they're doing. Um, you know, if I have somebody like a lender, this doesn't apply to Malcolm because he's always on top of his game. But if I have a lender who's like not responsive or isn't following up with a client, which can make us look bad because we referred them, um, I just like, hey, what's going on with the client? And try to understand if there was some sort of miscommunication. If they did reach out to them, if the client is not responsive, then I reach out to the client and I try to reinitiate things. I like that. So you want to step in. You don't just jump to conclusions. You at least care what has to be said first. And then you're like, all right, maybe is this something I'm doing? Okay, let me see how I can help it. And if not, then you you walk your separate ways. So that's very good. I, I do appreciate that. Um, okay. How do you handle issues with pricing? Say, for example, for you, you found something off markets in Connecticut, some multifamily. You have the buyer and the seller, and the seller's just reluctant to lower his prices just a little bit to get this deal done. And you know the buyer can't go higher. Like, what do you do on trying to bridge that gap? Do you just say, all right, you know, I tried it and I go? Or maybe even another situation, maybe you're a buyer is wants to buy a house and you can see that the seller has it over overpriced and you know it's a good fit your seller really your buyer really wants it but the seller's just it's not your seller doing this hand um i want to hear both both concepts like what would you do so if let's say i have a buyer who wants a home that's overpriced and the seller is not flexible in their pricing mm -hmm. um we always try to, like, in negotiations, since you're a loan officer and a police officer, you probably deal with a lot of negotiations. And it's always trying to find a middle ground between the two parties to make people feel like they've won something in the end. So it's not always about price. Sometimes we can offer terms um, that will um, help bridge that gap in lieu of price. It might be being able to close a little later, might be agreeing to do a lease back so the person stays in their home. You know, it might be doing, um, not requesting any repairs. So there's there's incentives beyond pricing that might help close a deal. And it's all about making both parties feel like they want something in the end. Now, is it easier to do that when you're the, you're the seller and buyer agent or is it? Which one do you prefer? Well, I mean, you know, as a listing agent, I do get direct buyers and it's always easier to negotiate because you're, you know, you have direct access to both um, parties and you're able to bridge any gaps that might come up, you know, along with making sure you're looking out for the best interest of each party, you know, and, and keeping their information confidential. You know, but it's always easier to have a direct connection to the to the seller and the buyer. Okay, gotcha. Um, what do you think is going to happen with the future of real estate, especially with this AI taking over? What do you think? Are you nervous? Uh, what do you feel? No, nah, not at all. I mean, a real uh, a robot cannot take the job of a real estate agent. There's too many emotions involved in real estate. You know. Um, I think it's going to help people become more productive. You know, if I can, if, let's say you send me a buyer lead and it's 1 a.m. in the morning, not that you've done this, but let's say you did, and I have an AI bot that replies when that client replies to me and they're looking at Zillow 2 a.m. in the morning and they say, hey, I want this house, Devon, what do you think about it? And I have an AI bot that says, hey, that house looks great. Why don't we set up an appointment to see it sometime this week? When are you available? So it makes my job easier because everything becomes more automated. We're able to give them better service and we're able to respond to them. And sometimes times that we may not be available to talk to them because, you know, people are up at night looking at home sometimes. I like that. I like how you see it as a positive instead of seeing it as a negative, because at the end of the day, our biggest thing should be how we can give our clients better service. And I'm all, I'm very service oriented. I feel like the better service you give, the leads, the referrals, and the business will just keep coming and growing. 
So I do respect that. What do you do to wow your clients? Oh, to wow my clients, man, that is, um, that's interesting. So I have a story for you, right? So yes, story time. So I have a, I have a mastermind group. And um, so it's got a whole bunch of agents from around the country. And um, that touches on what you said to, to make yourself better. Okay. I like it. I like Exactly. It. Accountability, hold each other accountable for doing what we need to do every single day. Mm-hmm. And um, you learn things when you network from people all around the country. And, you know, I've seen agents do extreme things to win over clients. Uh, one of the things, and this was from a coaching group as well, is after the listing appointment, you would send them a pizza and a note. And it, it would be a little like pizza, breadsticks, and soda right after, right after your listing appointment. Say, hey, thank you so much for allowing me to present to you and share information and be considered to help you sell your home. Here's a free meal on me, a free dinner on me. And you deliver it to them and you make the, um, the deliver person, you know, hope, give them the note, a card or whatever. Um, that's one thing. Um, I've delivered, like, there's a company called brownies.com. When I've done a listing appointment, I've sent sellers a box of brownies. Um, I've heard of agents um, just doing a whole bunch of crazy things, um, you know, to win, uh, win clients over. And it's just to show gratitude and appreciation that somebody took the time out to consider you to selling the most important asset that they have, you know? So, you know, those are a few things, sending some gifts some presents, um, you know, doing different things. What about, I'm curious, what, what have, have you done anything crazy you know, for, um, for a client, a puppy or something as a closing gift. <laughs> no puppies. But I've, I've bought clients everything. I've bought TVs. I've bought blenders. Oh, wow. I've bought um, <laughs> those, those clean robots or whatever for closed clients. I, I've done it all. I'm very big on service and always figuring out how I can do better service. And um, what's, what's the largest um, TV? Uh, I don't know. It was like. <laughs> It's actually for one of my first clients, Alvera. She got the TV, and that was my thing. I would buy clients TVs after closing, and then I was realizing, like, hey, not everyone wants a TV. So I started doing, <laughs> other and now I, I still send stuff, but it's just random things now. So I don't, I don't, I don't like taking pictures of it because I want it to be a wow thing. So I don't tell people what I'm getting them. Uh, I love and that. Now it just comes, and I'm not like. Most people do it just for after closing. I still send out cards on their birthdays. Um, I was trying to do anniversaries, but see what happened is I started my serum over. So I don't really have most of my clients' anniversaries anymore. But I wanted to send out anniversary cards. I'm I'm very big on showing that even though you close, I still really appreciate you for trusting me. Even though I'm not making money out of this, I'm, I'm not getting anything out of it, realistically, in the short term at least. But I just really want to thank people. And that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast and why we're doing all this, because this is, yeah, it's taking time of my day, but I just really want to give back and give information to people because I know it's going to help someone. And that's all we can really want. At the end of the day, we do this to help people. Well, most of us do it. Not everyone, but most of us do this to help people. So if I can help one person learn one thing on this, then it's it's made it a success for me, you know? Yeah, I love that. Last question before I let you go, because this was supposed to be a 30-minute podcast and it's like over an hour now. So I do apologize. Um, what's one piece of advice you would like to give the younger Devon um, to make him more successful or or just to make him happier in general? Like, I think sometimes we measure success for money or business. So what's one piece of advice you would give the young Devon to make him happy? That's good advice. And I want to, after I answer my question, I want to give you that answer. But my, my answer is to get a coach or a mentor before getting into real estate. And the reason is success leaves footprints. Success is not an accident. Somebody doing something specific in a specific way to achieve specific results. And when you have somebody like that who can mentor you, you shave a lot of time, you shave a lot of frustration, and you become more successful and you, you become more uh, quicker, faster at being successful. 
So I would say definitely, if not a mentor uh, or if not coaching, find a group of people that you can um, align yourself with, who you can get like an accountability partner with, and they don't even have to be super um, successful. The main thing is that they're helping you become disciplined. They're holding you to your schedule and doing the things that make you successful, you know? So if I had to go back, if I can go back 10 years, I would probably go to the most successful agent in my city and ask them if they would mentor me or join a pay money for a coaching, uh, of course, uh, for an agent that's established and, and, and is successful. Uh, because regardless of what you're, what they're charging you, it, it doesn't compare to the amount of success in the knowledge that they're giving you. That was really good. I like that. Ooh. No, that was a really good answer. I think my answer would have probably been similar. Definitely get a mentor. Um, I'm big into reading. And um, one of the the books I read, not last, but I think it was like my second or third book I just read recently. Um, it was The Four Agreements. And um, in it, it was pretty much the first two agreements. Do not let people, what people say or do, take it personal. Like you choose to let people get you upset. You choose to get people mad at people. You don't have to take on their energy. When someone says something negative, you don't have to take it on. You could just ignore it and keep going with your life. So we internalize other people's problems and other people's issues by allowing them that the words and stuff they say to affect us. So that's an agreement. You agree to let whatever they say bother you. And then two, Remember that what you say has the same impact to other people. So watch what you say about people and watch what you say to people because they might not be in that mindset that they're taking things on or not taking things on. But if you say something and they do take it on, now you're creating the same cycle that you want to stop. And um, so don't What's the name of that book again? The Four Agreements. The Four Agreements. Man, that was a gem. Internalizing things, especially in, in real estate. Uh, where people's emotions are high and there's a lot of um, back and forth and arguments. That, that's a gem right there. Yeah, um, those are just the first two agreements. I'm not going to spoil the other two. But yeah, if if we realize that life is short and things, COVID taught all of that, life is short, just be happy. And what I have to do and what I'm still struggling, my wife is helping me do this. I'm very a long-term player, so I look at the future and everything like that. And I forget, that's why I repeat it on a podcast constantly do not look at the end look at the in between it's a book i'm reading now called um i think it's between the gap i hopefully i didn't butcher that and in the book he the guy the author says is i think his name is dr sullivan he dr sullivan dr sullivan i think it's sullivan and he talks about it the issue with most people is that we are caught in the gap instead of looking at what you want you need to measure backwards and look where you are and where you came from. So if you're like, I've been in real estate five years, think about when you were in year one and you had no clients. Now, you are not, you might not be exactly where you want, but look at all the people that you helped in the past and then judge yourself on that. And you will realize, hey, I'm still here. I've helped numerous people. I am more successful than I thought I am. And um, it, it definitely plays a difference. Hold on. Let me see if I can get the title of the book because- I don't want to butcher someone else's. Yeah, the gap and the game. The gap and the game. Yeah, yeah. that's something I'm going to pick up. And, yeah. and the four agreements. Yep, Dan Sullivan and Dr. Oh. Man Benjamin Hardy. Yeah, yeah, oh. man. I love um, it. I love that. I'm a big fan of reading. Like what you said, even if you can't afford a mentor, you can afford a book. And if not, DM me and I'll send you one of these books for free. Um, this yeah. is, we really truly want to help people and um everything all the answers like devon says success leaves clues so all the answers all the problems that you're facing it's in some book you just haven't read the right book and that's why i'm yeah. constantly reading the harder part is to actually implement what you read that's harder yeah. than actually getting the knowledge you have to take the time and implement it and be consistent with it and laser focus on why you're being consistent but well, that's somebody it. hold you accountable. Yes. Boom. Full circle. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to start my mastermind group again. As soon as I get some time, I got to figure out how 
But I can invite my mastermind group back so we could um plug books, chit chat, and just do monthly meetings. Yeah, uh, man, you definitely should. Definitely. Yeah, I'm down. You got one right here. All right. So look, look at that, guys. See, real unscripted. The Marcel Mastermind is coming back. Uh, maybe I'm thinking September. I'm really feeling like September would be a perfect month to start the group back. And I'm going to do it small, maybe 10 people, all different industries. And then we'll see how it grows from there. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. This is the Real Estate Unfiltered podcast. Devon, do not hang up. Do not press anything. I'm just ending it for the viewers. Uh, still recording. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I had a guest who did it. I didn't tell that to. And I said, over, out, bye. And he hung up in the whole, the whole podcast. Oh I got deleted. I was like, oh no, for the viewers. I'm letting them know. <laughs> not you. You stay online. So I appreciate like, you showing up for us. If you're listening, I appreciate you for listening to the end. Like I said, as a special promotion, um, DM me, DM Devon. Let us know about the podcast episode. I'll send you a book. And um, Devon will definitely, if you're looking to buy a house in Brooklyn, New York, Connecticut, Devon is definitely readily available to talk to you. And he'll even give you a free consultation. So yeah. just DM him, the Devon group on Instagram. Or message me and I'll send you his information. We appreciate you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Devon, any last words? No, man. This has been a pleasure, man. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Uh, You dropped a lot of gems uh, at the end. I dropped some gems in between. Uh, I think I hope people have learned uh, something from this. And uh, like you mentioned, uh, reach out to me. If you have any questions about real estate, we'd be happy to help you in any way I can. That's it. Over and out.